0: Welcome to the Midnight Train to Sleepy Hills. We hope you enjoy your ride, and we ask all guests to be aware of your surroundings, because there is danger in Sleepy Hills. Additionally, we will be releasing new episodes weekly, so stay tuned, and please like and subscribe. Now, back to our latest installment. Yes, it's that way, George said, as he pointed his finger at a nearly empty parking lot. Here's a tip for getting me here so quickly, as he handed a $20 bill. Thank you, sir, but that is too much. Nonsense, said George, as he attempted to open the door of the cab. Sorry about that. No problem, buddy. I keep going to college. I don't care what your friends say about that. The young cab driver flashed a smile at George. Thank you, sir. No problem, said George, as he provided a friendly wave. George quickly made his way to the front door of this fine establishment. He shuffled his way in the dark avoiding tables, chairs, and empty glasses. Getting past the main stage and behind the bar, as he reached the back room door, a metallic sign read, Barfly Staff Room, he applied pressure on the wooden door. The room was dimly lit, moreover it was surprisingly well organized and the room has a small kitchen, three tables, lockers, and even a shower. What he wasn't impressed with is finding Officer Mueller. "'What happened, George?' said with a look of concern and surprise. Gordon had a towel around his neck and a steaming hot cup of coffee. His eyes were closed and facing the steam. "'Hey, do not be too hard on him, okay, George?' Moving from Gordon to Will, part owner of this dump. And before he could respond, Gordon spoke. It's been a rough 24 hours for me. And what I need most is a friend. Hey, we got your back, said Will, the massive man with his white kitchen apron on. Isn't that right, George? As he glared at him. Of course, I just want to help. I'm just worried about Gordon. Gordon slowly opened his eyes as the steam from his coffee cup showered his face. George could tell that Gordon's eyes were a bit swollen and red. Well, Will, could I have a cup of your finest coffee? Looks like we are going to have a nice long chat. Sure thing, but I have my eye on you. George just smiled at Will. I will be on my best behavior. Will pointed his index finger and middle finger at both of his eyes, then pointed straight at George's face. George made the wave away gesture and pulled the wooden stool closer to Gordon. During this time, Gordon's eyes remained locked on that black ocean of caffeine. I just care about you, Gordon. And when I heard you were blackout drunk at the Barfly parking lot, I and Will are concerned about you. I need to ask, Will, who was bartending last night? You should have been cut off and a cab called over to pick you up. It's okay, Gordon said, with a shallow smile, as he finally was looking into the face of a really old friend. Thank you for coming. I'm only a phone call away. Well, you could uh, ask me why did I drink that much. It's an easy question to ask. I tried before your bodyguard nearly ripped my head off. Will is awesome, and he even called you. I guess I do have some people who care about me, said Gordon, as he smirked. Taking a sip of the hot coffee. Well, spit it out said George, as his body reflected his discomfort. Gordon thought for a few moments and said, Did you hear about the cloudy State Park? And the two people who died there a day ago? I'm sure, those were my best friends. To make matters worse. I told them to celebrate their anniversary at that park, at that specific campsite. As George registered the gravity of the information in his mind, he felt and smelt the hot cup of coffee as it touched his lips. Thank you, Will. Sure thing, George, as a smile was returned as if it was currency. Taking a sip, both of them felt the hot charcoal called to deep roast surprise in their mouths. Lucy had scolded George the second before rushing down the hill to Sleepy Hill power systems. The idea that she could miss Margaret McDougal entirely would have made this whole trip a big waste of time. Her heart was pounding so hard in her chest that it was making her feel dizzy. I should never let myself pass out like that. What was I thinking? She was speed walking but feared that all was lost. Even George II was close by, albeit his tongue sticking out clearly thirsty again. Shuffling forward, with little care of how she appeared, she could make out the entrance of the glass exterior. Swallowing hard and taking a mouthful of air, the burning sensation from her left forearm still felt like it was on fire from her dream. As she walked past a large limo parked in the front entrance, approximately ten people waiting outside of the entrance. There were three people in uniform standing in front of the glass door. Hey, lady, you cannot go in there, said one of the ten men, waiting a few feet from the, the three uniformed gentlemen. I need to speak with a specific employee from this establishment. The uniformed man between the two took his eyes off the crowd and focused on Lucy. Do you have an appointment, ma'am? No, I do not. However, I called this morning and was told that I wouldn't need one. What is the employee's name? Margaret McDougall and I only have a few questions for her. Let me go inside and see if I can reach her, said the uniformed man, but we do have a no animal policy, unfortunately. Lucy looked between her legs and there was George II staring up at the both of them. I nodded reluctantly at the idea of leaving George II outside by himself. She sighed at that response, but maybe I can find a bowl inside and put some water in it for your cat. I'm sure I can get some water for you as well. Lucy returned a smile and thanked the man for whatever he could do to ease the process. The man promptly turned around and entered the building. Standing there, disheveled, and trying to collect her thoughts, she couldn't help remember what led her to this moment. The call to 911, the police, and finding a piece of the rubber bumper. Sweat began to roll from her scalp as if on cue. Tiredness was once again creeping over her. But this time, she was going to fight it like her life depended on it. She remembered what George said this morning not to expect anything to come from all of her efforts. As harsh as that was to hear, she knew it could be true and keeping her hopes low would mitigate any major setbacks. The uniformed man had a water bowl in hand and carefully lowered it to the ground. George II leapt forward and began to lick happily at the water. You can wade in the lobby, and I left a cold bottle of water for you next to a table and chair. Lucy thanked the man again. I had no idea Sleepy Hill Power System was getting into the petting zoo business, said a voice from the small crowd. Lucy wanted to turn and lash out at such callous comments, but she was urged to enter quickly. Well, this is my only shot, she thought, as she told George II to stay put. And as if on cue, the cat nodded while looking rapidly at the water bowl. If asked, she would have admitted that she fell into the seat, then carefully sat. Her legs and feet were sore and taking a cab back home seemed like the only reasonable solution. However, looking to her right, there was a small table and a nice water bottle sitting on it. Margaret rushed out of the meeting room first, and she was beside herself and holding back the tears that wanted to be released. She didn't want to talk to anyone at this time, but there was someone in the lobby wanting to speak to her. Her high heels felt especially painful when she walked this fast. She first spotted Wendy talking to a customer or maybe Max on the phone. Wendy winked and nodded at a direction facing the lobby. As Margaret cleared the carpet hallway, she could hear someone behind her prop the door open. The meeting was coming to an end. She said quietly to herself. As her eyes reared to the left, she spotted a very old woman who looked a bit haggard. Margaret had seen this woman before, but had never really ever talked to her. How can I help you? The old woman seemed to be lost in her thoughts, as she slowly snapped into focus. Are you Margaret McDougal? The old woman almost seemed scared to even ask the question. Yes, I am. And I will only ask you one more time, how can I help you? I'm extremely busy, and my time is very precious. The older woman nodded and produced a rubber piece that appeared to be partially torn. I found this on the street by my home, and I believe this came from your vehicle. And the night before, there was a hit and run this day. Couldn't get any worse, thought Margaret. She just wanted to scream at the very moment. I didn't come here to harass you, but I'm just looking for the man in the wheelchair. He's a dear friend of mine. Could you please tell me anything that might help me... Locate him? Margaret's hands rolled up into tight fists as she crossed her arms. I have nothing to say to you. Margaret's mouth tightened as her posture changed to a more defensive position. I'm not attacking you or accusing you. I'm only looking for Billy O'Brien, and I believe his life is in danger if not dead. You can leave right now, said Margaret. As she turned her back to the old woman, a sense of dread, anger, and fear showered over her. Lucy wanted to say something else, but Miss Dougal stormed off. And what hope she had finally of finding Billy O'Brien faded. A sigh of despair came from Lucy as she saw the back of Miss McDougal disappear in a hallway. Well, this could have gone worse, she thought, as she slowly arose from the chair and headed for the exit. Lucy's world felt so dark and disconnected, and a heavy weight was placed on her heart at this very moment. Feeling lightheaded and a despair that she just could not shake off, The descending crowd behind her remained unknown to her. Everything just seemed to show to slow down. Mama, you need to get out of the way, said a uniformed man. The mare is leaving and needs a cleared out pathway. Lucy turned around and there he was, the smug mare in a pinstripe suit with that smile that seemed to never leave his face. A larger man with sunglasses seemed to hover around the mayor. I hope you decide to vote for me in this upcoming election. I need all the support that I can get. At that moment, Lucy lashed out. You want you wanna know You wanna know what you can do to earn my vote? A dear friend of mine named Billy O'Brien is missing, and no one but myself is looking for him. The police in the city are a joke. The mayor's eyes moved from me to the crowd outside. (coughs) The mayor looked down at George, the second. At my side. If I helped you locate your friend, would that ensure your vote? That would be correct, said Lucy in an angry tone. Your wish is my command. And the mayor lifted his hand in front of himself and snapped his finger. (laughs) Lucy felt the worst headache. As the mare became smaller, then disappeared from view. But what was clear was the clear blue sky and clouds. She heard someone yell, Call 911. This old lady needs help. As darkness showered the blue sky. And that concludes our episode for today on the Midnight Train to Sleepy Hills. Please stay tuned next week for our next episode and follow the journey.